0: Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful day as we we remember the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. We pray in Jesus' mighty name that we leave your presence blessed. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay. All right. So we're just going to share the word of God briefly for our time today. And I'm talking on... Don't miss a prophetic moment. I was going to say, don't miss a prophetic moment because of ignorance, but I felt that would be too long. So I just said, I'm just saying, don't miss a prophetic moment. And so we're going to read from Romans chapter one verse. Romans chapter 12, verse one and two, and then from the book of Luke. So I'm reading from Romans chapter one, chapter 12, verse one and two. Of course, being a Palm Sunday, we want to remember the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. So we are reading from Luke chapter nine, chapter 19, verse 28 to 41. In fact, this particular event was recorded in all, um, all the Gospels, but I'm going to use Luke's account for today. Um, Luke chapter 19, verse 28. When he had said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain call Oliver that he sent two of his disciples saying go into the village opposite you where you when you where you you enter you will find a cult tied on which no one has ever sat loose it and bring it here and if anyone asks you why are you losing it Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent their way, so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were losing the cult, the owners of it said to them, why are you losing the cult?" And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the court, and they set, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as, he was go, then as he was now drawing near to the descent of the Mount Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Bless is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if this should keep silence, the stones will immediately cry out. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in, the, in, in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your salvation." Amen. Now, um, going back to the book of um, Romans, the Bible says that Paul was telling the believers that I beseech you that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Now, whenever we talk about sacrifice in the Old Testament, it represented dead things. And so Paul is now telling the believers that you have to be a living sacrifice. So Paul reminds the believers that you are dead to their old nature And you are alive or resurrected to a new nature. And so the believers are supposed to die to their old nature, which is after sin, and the new nature, which is after righteousness. So believers are are expected to be dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. And so Paul reminds them that you have to be a living sacrifice. You are dead to your desires and you are alive to the will of God. And he moves on to tell them that which is holy. Holy means that you have been set apart for God. In the Old Testament, things that were dedicated solely for the temple service, they had vessels and items that were dedicated solely for the service of the temple of God. Those things were called holy because those things have been set apart from ordinary use. They are not supposed to be used for ordinary things, but they are supposed um, ordinary occasions. But they are supposed to be used for the service of God. And so, believers are holy. They have been set apart. It means that our lives have been set apart for the service of God. And so. We have been set apart from the world. Paul is saying that as living sacrifices, we ought to live our lives solely dedicated to the will and the purpose of God. So we are holy. We are separated from the world. We are not supposed to continue living like the rest of the world. So he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, meaning dead to sin, alive to righteousness. Holy, meaning that you have been set apart. And he's saying that um, acceptable to God, which means that our service must be, um, our our, um, sacrifice must be pleasing to God. Bible says that for it is God who works in us both to will and to do his good pleasures in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 13, it means that whatever service that we are giving, we are bringing to God, must be pleasing to Him. So we present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And then again, Paul says that do not be conformed to this world. Before we became believers, before we became Christians, we, were, we, we all once lived in the world. We did, uh, we walked by the principles of this world. We, abide, we lived our lives based on worldly principles. But now, Paul reminds the believers that you are not supposed to live according to worldly principles anymore. But you must live, you must be transformed by the renewing of your minds. It means that as you now approach the word of God, as you listen to the word of God, As you read the word of God, your thinking pattern has to change. Your desires has to change. Your will, your actions, your behavior has to change. And so you do not behave like the people of the world anymore because right now you are dead to the world. Your life has been dedicated to the service of God and your mind is being changed by the word of God. And so you don't live like the people of the world anymore. You don't if you were living in lies, if you were living in fornication or adultery, or you're living in um, any form of sexual imm- sexually immoral life, then you don't continue to live that way anymore because your mind has been changed and you are receiving the word of God. And so as a person who listens to the word of God and receives the word of God, it has to be reflected in your action. And so when you had the the purpose of, for us, studying the word of God and listening to the word of God is so that our minds and our hearts will be transformed. And when our hearts and our minds are transformed, then it, it's reflected in our actions. Our actions are also imparted. And so what that means is that what you, the word of God that you are studying, the word of God that you are reading, the word of God that you are hearing must show in your actions. As we continue to hear and listen to the word of God, it must transform or it must impact our lives. And people have to see the results of the word of God in your life. The results of what you are listening to. People have to see that your life is being transformed and the word of God has become tangible in your life. And people can testify that your life was not this, your life is not the same anymore, but your life has been changed because you have been transformed by the word of God. Now, Paul moves on further in Romans chapter 12 to remind the believers and he says that do not, in um, verse two, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable and perfect will of God. And so Paul teaches three different levels of the will of God from the book of Romans chapter 12. First, he says, you may prove what is good. Now, good is the general um, will of God for people or for his people. There is the general will of God for his people. And most of the times, that is the place that a lot of us walk in. We walk in the general will of God because we know what is good and so we just walk in what is good. But good is not enough if you're a child of God and you want to um, fulfill the purpose of God for your life. So um, Paul says that, that you may prove what is the good will of God. For instance, in the book of Samuel, we saw that all the nations around Israel had kings. That was the general will of God for those nations. But God wanted to be the king of Israel. He wanted to lead them. And he told them that from the book of Exodus, that I was going to be your king and you were going to be my people. I'm going to make you a kingdom of kings and priests. And he told them that that he wanted to be their king. The general will of God for the other nations was that they were going to have kings. But Israel went to um, the prophet Samuel and said that they also wanted a king. That was not the perfect will of God for them. It was the general will of God for all the other nations. But when they requested for a king, God told Samuel that he was going to give them a king. And so because they asked, God gave them a king. And that is the acceptable or permissive will of God. Though it wasn't what God wanted for them because they requested it, because they asked for it, God allowed them to have a king. God permitted them to have a king and God gave them Saul as their king. So we see these levels of God's will from the book of Romans. First, good, acceptable, and then perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is the tailor or custom-made will of God for a person or for a group of people at a particular time. All of us here, are not supposed to just follow the general will of God. There is the good will good will, that you know that when you do these things, they are good. Yeah, things that you know that as a believer, when you do them, they are okay, they are good. But is that what God wants you to do? All of us must set our heart to seek the perfect, the tailor-made will of God for our lives at this particular time. And the Bible makes it clear how we can find this. So many many at times in situations as believers we don't really um go after the will of God we don't look for the perfect will of God we just go with the best option that comes in our mind or the one that looks like that looks as the smart smartest options option in our eyes or we some people who also live their life to chance and allow life to happen to them others other believers who also follow trends they will see they will say this person did it this way and succeeded so let me also do it the same way maybe the purpose of god for that person might not be the same for you and that is why that it is important that you know what the purpose of god is for you every i mean every day in our lives we have to make choices this has be, the, the different types of will has come into play because uh, so, uh, uh has come into play because we have free will to choose God gave us free will as men, so right from Adam we saw that Adam had the ability to choose, and that is why Adam was able to disobey because Adam had the free will either to exercise that free will to do good or to exercise that free will to do bad or to do um to disobey God. God allows man to exercise that free will, either to obey him or to disobey him. When, when society wants to punish people, they take their free will from them. They take their independence from them and they put them in prison as a means of punishment. And so we understand that being able to exercise our free will is a blessing from God. Man is able to exercise, man is able to even exercise his free will at the expense of his salvation. And God will allow man. Because if somebody decides that today I'm going to reject the word of God, today I'm not going to accept the word of God anymore, or from today I denounce Christianity, the person has exercised his free will and God will allow that person. So free will is a great blessing that God has given man. And because of free will, we are always faced with the dilemma of making choices. We have to make several choices every day. Some of them are very big. Some of them are small. Some of the choices that we make have very serious impact in our life and can even affect our um, life when it, when it has to do with eternity. And so being able to know the perfect will of God is very, very important. Now, the Bible in the verse that we read from Romans teaches that for us to know the God's perfect will, we have to allow our minds to be transformed by the word of God. So when you read that verse again, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good. So when you you allow your mind to be transformed by the word of God, then you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So when your mind is transformed by uh, by the word of God, that paves the way for the Holy Spirit to guide you to shape your mind and to shape your heart. That is why reading the word of God, knowing the word of God, meditating on the word of God is very, very important. So when we learn the word of God, our thoughts, our will, and our choices will align with the will of God and will walk in the perfect will of God. Meditating on the word of God paves the way for the Holy Spirit to direct and to guide us to the perfect will of God. And so God told Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous then you will have good success so god already gave joshua the formula to succeed the formula to be aligned with the purpose and the will of god is that you meditate on the word of god day and night it means that the word of you have to allow the word of god to stay in your mind to stay in your heart and when you meditate on the word of god the God is going to lead or direct you. In fact, when you need direction in any, way, in any um, aspect of your life, one of the best ways to hear the voice of God is to pick a word from the Bible that talks about the situation. Meditate on it. Pray with it. Meditate on it. pray, And you will hear God directing you on what you are supposed to do. So why do believers make wrong choices? Why do believers make bad choices? Why don't why aren't believers able to identify the will of God? It is because we don't seek the will of God, but we live in the general and acceptable will of God. Most believers live in the general and acceptable will of God because we already know what is good to be done, the general, generally accepted good way to go. We all know it. And so most of the times we follow that path. But there is a higher path. If we are going to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives, if our life is going to bring God the greatest pleasure, then we must follow the perfect will of God and we must make it our daily pursuit to seek the perfect will of God for our lives. And it is not a mystery. God will reveal it to us. We must not limit ourselves to our natural senses. We must take advantage of the precious gift and the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in our lives. We must be awakened to spiritual realities and let's allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. Let's take advantage of the presence of the Holy Not in the bad sense, but let's... um enjoy the benefits of the holy spirit being in our lives and as we are faced with making choices daily let's make it our goal to seek god's perfect will in prayer and in meditation and god is going to guide us amen now the passage that we just read from the book of um, luke tells us about the triumphant entry of jesus christ into jerusalem Now, all along in Israel's history, whenever they were under oppression, God would raise one man to bring them deliverance. So that is how they have known God. In Egypt, God raised Moses and Moses brought deliverance to Israel. After Moses, God raised Joshua. Joshua led Israel to the promised land. When they got to the promised land and they disobeyed God, they went under oppression again. And now God raised, um, in the book of Judges, we saw God raised people like Gideon, Samson, Jephthah, Deborah, to bring deliverance to them from their oppressors. So all along in their life, that is how they have known God. That whenever they were in crisis, whenever they were under oppression, God will raise a man to bring them deliverance. At a time when Jesus Christ was walking into Jerusalem and the people were shouting Hosanna, Israel was under the Roman Empire and they were expecting deliverance. And so they thought that the deliverance they were expecting, that is the man God has raised for the moment to bring them the deliverance. They are thinking that this Jesus Christ is the man to bring them just like Moses, Joshua, Gideon, and all the people in Judges, they felt that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was bringing them that deliverance they were expecting. They saw Jesus Christ as the king who was going to deliver them from Roman captivity. And so they, when they saw him, they were screaming and shouting, Hosanna and rejoicing, and they were happy. But Jesus Christ came for a higher purpose, to bring a higher deliverance. And that is deliver, not just deliverance from Roman captivity, but Jesus Christ was bringing deliverance from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin, and from the presence of sin. Jesus Christ was going to deliver mankind and the whole world, not just Israel, from the power and the dominion and oppression of Satan and sicknesses. He was bringing deliverance. He was bringing salvation to the whole world. But because in the minds of the people of israel that is how they have known god to deliver them when they were in crisis to deliver them when they were in trouble and so they were expecting that jesus christ was bringing the same deliverance that they had always known and so the people shouting hosanna hosanna which means save now save now they missed the point even though they were celebrating and screaming with palm branches and 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 they were welcoming jesus into jerusalem they missed the the point when you read the account of john it tells us that the disciples themselves who were following Jesus Christ didn't understand the moment till after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They missed the point. They didn't understand the moment until the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Probably they thought that Jesus Christ was going to just um, overthrow the Roman Empire, become a king, and then they were going to be generals. So it was an exciting time for them. Inasmuch as it excited them That was not the purpose of the triumphant entry. They missed the point. So the people, the participants who were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, missed the point. The disciples who were following Jesus Christ at that time missed the point. The Pharisees who were there, who were regarded as the religious people at that time missed the point. They didn't understand the moment. They were envious of Jesus Christ. They thought that Jesus Christ was going to take their shine. And they were envious. They told Jesus Christ, rebuke your disciples. They missed the point. How was it that these three groups of people who were observing the most important prophetic moment of the whole world missed this special occasion? They missed this point. And they were all looking at the wrong. They missed the will of God. The people who were shouting and screaming and celebrating at that time, they missed the point. They didn't know that this was the one of the most important events in, in the history of the world. Because the, I, personally, I believe that the most important event in the history of the world is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the death and the resurrection, the death, I mean the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ transformed or changed the trajectory of life forever. And even life after death was impacted by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was one single event that was so important for man. It was one single event that was going to change everything that has happened so far. It was one single event that was going to put together everything that has happened from history, from beginning of the world till now. These people were observing this particular event, prophetic moment, but they missed it because they were ignorant of the time. Because they missed it, Jesus Christ said that your children are going to experience the consequence of your choice. So they made a choice, but they missed the point. These three groups of people missed the important prophetic point. The people who were cheering didn't understand. The participants who went to bring their donkey and everything didn't understand. The observers who were not happy about the event didn't understand. But this was one important occasion. The Bible has spoken about it, that your king was going to come on a donkey. The Bible, it was written in the Old Testament. How come that the students of the Old Testament missed this very important prophetic moment because of ignorance? The people who studied the scriptures were regarded as the experts in dissecting the scriptures. Even even when this particular moment was happening in their own eyes, they still missed it. All of us in our lives, there are prophetic moments that we are going to come to. Prophetic moments that God has arranged to change the trajectory of our life. Prophetic moment that God is going to bring in our lives, that is going to change everything that has ever happened in our lives. But would we understand those moments? Would we understand what God is doing? Would we align with what God is doing? We, would we celebrate because we understand what God is doing or we will just enjoy the flow and, and just enjoy what everybody is doing? Or would we even allow the world to dictate de- to us What is happening? Today in our world, when we talk about Easter, it has been reduced to um, eggs and bunnies, Easter bunnies and then eggs. We are missing an important prophetic celebration. We are missing an important event in the life of Christians. And we are allowing the world to explain what Easter means. But Easter is an occasion Where we celebrate the death of Jesus Christ, the burial of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people who are living, young people who are living in this generation, who don't know what Easter means. Their parents, their surroundings, has not taught them. They have made choices that has hidden a very significant event that happened in the calendar of this world. And the church today has allowed the world to commercialize Easter, commercialize this wonderful prophetic moment. And we are missing the blessings and we are missing the significance and the celebration that Easter should bring to us as children of God. And so they will sell chocolates to us and they will sell Eggs to us, and today some churches are also magnifying what the world is selling, and they will have eggs in the churches, and they will have they will make their um, banners and headlines and the themes for their program Easter bunnies and. But that is not what this celebration is about. We are behaving like those three groups of people who were there at that time when the occasion was happening, the most significant and important occasion was happening, and they were just there and they missed it. They didn't know what was happening. The people who were observing didn't know. And today, a lot of believers don't know the meaning of Easter a lot of young people in this generation don't know why we celebrate Easter because it has been reduced to bunnies and eggs. I remember when I first came to the U.S. in San Francisco, I had a friend who told me that he had a Jewish background. And so it was it was this, I think it was this week, the, um, the, the Holy Week. And then the Friday was supposed to be, I think, a holiday or something, which is Good Friday. So I asked him, do you know what Easter means? Do you know why we celebrate Easter? He said that all, the only thing he knows about Easter is that when they were young, they had eggs and then they had Easter. Easter. I was shocked that, he, I mean, it was the first time, I was, it was my first time in the US, the first time I was hearing that people, Easter was about Easter bunnies and eggs. It was my, I was shocked that really, if the church does not tell the world the significance of Easter, there is going to come a generation who would not know that Easter is about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, you must remind people around you that Easter is not about, it's not about eggs, it's not about bunnies. It's about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see that what happened then is happening today. That the participants in that prophetic moment did not understand what the moment was all about. And today in our church, in our churches today in the world, a lot of people don't understand what Easter is all about. We have allowed the world to commercialize these things to us. But we must declare to the world, we must remind the the world, we must remind our children and our children's children that Easter is about remembering the dead, the resurrection, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, people have brought a lot of argument about Easter and they are saying it's a pagan ritual. And I don't know why when it comes to Christian celebrations, people have theories about christian celebrations they want to trace back and tell you that it is a it is paganism but other people have their celebrations and th- there are no theories behind them and christians they are trying to um write off christian celebrations write off importance of christian occasions and reduce it to selling and buying and um having fun and all that and the real purpose of easter the real purpose of this prophetic celebration is missing. But today, as the church of God, we, we, we must align with the purpose and the will of God and remind ourselves that Easter is about Jesus Christ. It is not about the eggs. It's not about the chocolate. It's about Jesus Christ. When you go to the shops today, they have custom-made items that are sold in during Easter. And that is replacing the true meaning of this celebration let's not give away our christian celebration to worldly concept let's stay in what the word of god says as we celebrate easter in this holy week let's remind the people around us let's remind our family members that easter is about jesus christ put it on your facebook wall put it on your whatsapp status easter is about jesus christ it's not about the ex I'm not saying don't partake in the acts when they are going on. Don't partake in all. Not, that's not what I'm saying. But the true meaning of Easter is that we are remembering the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today being a Palm Sunday was the day that Jesus Christ walked into Jerusalem. He made a choice to lay down his life. Today, he allied with the perfect will of God even when the people were going to make him king, he knew the will of God so well that he aligned with that will that he would walk into Jerusalem. He could have decided not to walk into Jerusalem. He knew that he was going in there to die but he was so in tune with the will of God the perfect will of God that he walked into Jerusalem made a choice that I'm going to lay down my life and take it again because he knew the perfect will of God as believers in this age there will come a time that will see prophecy unfold in our eyes but if we are not knowledgeable in the prophecies that has been written concerning this generation and the prophecies that are in the word of god concerning things that are going to happen in the future we will miss the moment we'll just be living in the flow but we will miss the moment and so we have to be attentive to what the scripture says we have to be in tune with the will of god so that when we walk into prophetic moments we don't miss it even in our lives there are things that has been said concerning us there are prophecies that has been made concerning our lives when we get into that time that is going to change the trajectory of our lives when we get into that prophetic moment if we are in tune with the Spirit of God and we are in tune with what God is doing in our lives at that time, we will not miss the prophetic moment. And that is why I started by explaining the will of God. If we'll be able to identify our prophetic moment and walk in that prophetic moment and not miss it, then we have to know the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. It has to be our daily desire to seek the perfect will of god we don't want to live in the general will of god even though it is good we don't want to live in the permissive will of god even though it is acceptable before god but we want to live in line with the perfect will of god and we cannot live in line with the perfect will of god if we are always following worldly trends and we are allowing the world to detect the things that we have to do there are prophetic moments that are going to happen in our lives. If we are in line with the will of God, if we seek the perfect will of God, we are not going to miss those prophetic moments. God, God is going to bring in our lives times, people, and seasons that is going, that is going to change our lives forever. You can look in the life of David. You can look in the life of Joseph. There were prophetic moments. There were turning points. Things that were going to turn their lives around. Moments that was going to change everything about their lives. And they were so in tune with those moments. And they did not miss those moments. If you read the book of Luke, again, as we are closing. What Jesus Christ told them. You reading from verse 41. He says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. He saw Jerusalem and he wept over Jerusalem. This is after the Pharisees had told him to silence, to rebuke his disciples. He wept over the city saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, The things that make for your peace said, if you knew the things that were going to bring you peace, if you had known that this is the day that the Messiah was walking into your city, if you had known that this is the Messiah that you were expecting, if you had known. But he says, but now they are hidden from your eyes. They didn't know. That this was the Messiah. This was the one that was they were expecting. This was the person who was going to bring eternal freedom from oppression. They didn't know this was the man who was coming. Even though he was sitting on a donkey and who was coming in humility. They missed it that this was the Messiah. They didn't know. He said, if you had known that this was what was going to bring you guys peace. But he says, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and close you in on every side. He was telling them prophetically that the Roman Empire was going to destroy Jerusalem, destroy the, the temple. And the temple, of, according to what I, I read, the temple was destroyed so that even the particular location of the temple cannot be identified up to today. Because they missed that special occasion. Because they missed that prophetic moment. They missed it when the Messiah was just right in front of them. And they missed it. They couldn't, they couldn't tell that this was Jesus Christ. This was the Messiah. This was the promise they have read about from the beginning of the gospel till now. From the beginning of the Old Testament till now. This was the promise. This was the occasion. It was such a wonderful moment. I don't know. They missed it. It says, for the days will come. Upon you, when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation, because they did not know the time of their visitation, the time the Messiah. Okay, because they missed the prophetic moment. Just because of that, it was going to cost them their nation. It was going to cost the, their children as well because they did not know the time of their visitation. My prayer for you today is that you will not miss the time of your visitation. You will not miss your prophetic moment. I pray that as we listen to this word, we will align with the perfect will of God for our lives. We will not miss our visitation. We will not miss that prophetic moment in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare that all of us who have a prophetic word hanging on our lives, we will not miss that moment and will not miss that time in the name of jesus shall we pray father we thank you for your word We bless you we give you all the glory as we remember the death the burial, and the resurrection of jesus christ today we pray that our lives will not be the same from today let our lives be transformed let our minds and our will be realigned with your word in the mighty name of jesus have prayed. I want us to listen to this song again as we close. Let's meditate on the song we used for our
1: worship.
0: The